We, uh, I'm always thankful for tangible expressions of, of how this text comes alive for folks. And we see last week that Paul said, I've, I've learned the secret of being content. And that secret had came through many difficult circumstances in Paul's life. And, and a lot of times God uses those difficult circumstances to teach us that Jesus is enough. If, if our circumstances don't change, Jesus is still good. Jesus is still on his throne and we are to worship him. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the reminder and thankful for uh, God using uh, Emily to share that with us and teach us in that. And, uh, and we're going to continue our journey in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And we have a unique opportunity this morning because we've invited actually Ecclesia Lehi, uh, which is a part of kind of our family of churches, as well as a few months ago, we sent out one of our community groups that has been meeting far north. It's led by Matt and Becky Jones. Matt uh, previously pastored a church in the Syracuse area, uh, but Matt is taking this community group in hopes as a, as a way, to, this is a seed plant in the sense that we might hopefully start a new church with that community group up north uh, in the coming year. And that's, that's a big prayer for us. And so we've actually invited them to come on via video this morning uh, because Philippians chapter 4 uh, really relates to our partnership together and what we want to do and be for pastors, how we want to be generous with our resources for other pastors, for other churches in our city. So we've invited them to join us this morning. And uh, so we're thankful that you guys are tuning in with us. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Philippians for the, the past several months. And uh, we, we know a lot about Paul at this point, that Paul has learned the secret of being content and he's learning that contentment through his imprisonment. Paul planted the church in Philippi. Paul started the church in Philippi. Paul was one of the uh, initial evangelists to people in Philippi. He started this church and, and he's writing this letter and, and encouraging them to stand firm, to be in unity, and to thank them for their partnership with him as he's in these difficult times. And, and that's really the reason I've kind of invited our family to come together this morning because our heart and vision several years ago was to be a, a part of a group of churches here in the valley who are similar in, in philosophy and vision and have a similar passion in seeing the Salt Lake Valley saturated with the good news of Jesus. And, and really that comes through deep partnership and trust and and we're hoping and we're learning to figure out what does it look like for us to even support one another encourage one another even more and uh, and Philippians 4 speaks to that because in Philippians chapter 4 14 through 20 that we're going to look at this morning uh, Paul is going to press in and thank them this is Paul's thank you letter that he's writing back to the church in Philippi and uh, what he's thankful for is he's thankful for their partnership with him. He's their planter. He's their pastor. And, and the, the church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus with resources, with financial uh, means. And they sent Epaphroditus to go and bless Paul while he was in prison. And Epaphroditus goes along with just an update on where the church is. And it says in verse 10 in chapter 4 that this bless Paul. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. 
But Paul is careful to let them know that his contentment is not because his circumstances have changed. His contentment is not because they've brought this financial gift. He's thankful for the gift, but he's saying, I don't worship the gift. My contentment is not found in the gift. He's learned the the secret of being content when there's plenty, when he's hungry, when he's abundant, when he's in need. And he didn't want them to be confused that their gift was what brought them joy, but he did want to tell them, thank you. And that's what he says in 14 through 20. So I wanna read that together this morning, starting with verse 14. It says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The reason I've invited us to come together this morning is is really to seek for us to have this type of partnership with pastors and churches across our city, that we would enter into a practice of giving and receiving with other churches, with other pastors in our city. And, And that's been our heart since day one. When we planted Ecclesia, our heart has always been not to just plant a church, but be a church that plants other churches and a church that invests and partners with other leaders across our city. And we've been praying and working to that end. And so I hope I can encourage us in that partnership this morning. And the first thing I want you to see in this text and, uh, and, and, and I want to, there's a lot we can say about generosity and giving, but if we want to stick particularly to this text this morning, the first thing that we need to see, and I want to encourage us in, is that pastors and leaders need support, need care, need partnership, need encouragement, and need prayers. Paul is, is Pastor Paul, and Paul needed their encouragement. Paul needed their help. Paul needed their support. What's interesting about this is there's a term used in verse 15 that it's an accounting term. It's a business term. And it's used in that that phrase, giving and receiving. And one commentator I I read this, this past week is, have you entered into the practice of giving and receiving with your pastors, with your leaders? What's interesting is we look at this. He said that the church in Philippi entered into partnership in this practice of giving and receiving. I think often we we think, well, you know, our pastor, he's our pastor and like his walk with the Lord must be thriving and he's great and he's doing well. But I want you to hear me say this morning that pastors cannot be too encouraged. You may say, well, 
we don't want our pastor to get a big head, you know. We want to we want to make sure that, you know, our pastor remains humble. I promise you, there's enough critics in the world to keep us humble. Pastors need encouragement. Pastors need this support. Pastors need this practice of giving and receiving. Pastors give a lot and receive very little. And it's like, well, that's great of you, Justin, you know, this morning to to share, you know, you being a pastor, you're saying, hey, you need some encouragement. I'll be the first to say, all pastors need encouragement. I need encouragement. Pastor Greg, Pastor Garrett, Pastor Britton in Lehigh, Matt and Becky Jones, who are leading this community group. And, and basically all who serve and labor in the Lord need encouragement, need partnership. And we need to enter into this practice of not just receiving from them, but giving to them. I pulled some statistics recently from just the past eight months and one in five churches will close their doors due to COVID. One in five churches in America will close its door because of COVID. In this past season, pastors have, have sensed and have felt pulled to walk away. They've, they've dealt with the discouragement and the identity struggle of what does it mean to be a pastor and shepherd people when you can't actually be with them, when you're in isolation. I think there's nothing more than what the enemy wants than to discourage pastors and push them over the tipping point and get them to a place where they say, I quit. Discouragement, frustration, lack of patience, the lack of seeing fruit. In fact, previous to COVID, 40% of pastors, if there was something else that a pastor could step into, if there was another job or something that would support them financially, 40% of pastors said they would walk away from the ministry. The truth is that number is close to 70% right now. 70% of pastors. In fact, two of my very close friends who pastored previous to COVID are no longer pastoring churches. The frustration, the discouragement is real. And I wanted you to hear me say that even in Utah, that partnership and that practicing of giving and receiving is needed even more. So Salt Lake City, Utah is the graveyard of church plants. In fact, when we first visited Salt Lake City and we met a group of pastors, I think we sat down at a table of 10 or 12 pastors. And I tell you that not a single one of them is still here today. They were all, at the time we met them, very discouraged. And we made a, really a commitment at that point that when we planted ourselves in Salt Lake City, we were gonna be an encouragement to other pastors. We were gonna encourage churches to keep going. The landscape of church planting in Utah requires deep partnership, deep encouragement, and deep financial support. You will not make it. Now, the truth is, is that's not only the case for pastors, but also, like I said, for those who labor in the Lord. I, I recently met with a community group leader a few weeks ago, and we were sitting at the table and he's like, you know, I just, I don't know if I can keep going leading this community. And I was like, well, what's going on? He's like, man, when you step into this role of leading, it becomes challenging because no one's asking you, how are you? How is your relationship with the Lord? How are you being cared for? How's your marriage? How's your prayer life? 
And, and in many ways, it is, it is not this entering into this practice of giving and receiving. They're just giving. And so your leaders, those who are leading and shepherding and serving, need your support and encouragement. Your partnership is not only financial, maybe in the way we see in Philippians chapter 4, but it could be through praying for them, through serving them, through supporting them in ministry. Now, obviously, that, that's great when we read this text. What jumps out is, obviously, pastors and leaders need that care and support, and that benefits pastors, and that benefits leaders. But what's interesting about what Paul says in, in verse 16 and 17, when he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, But he says very importantly here in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek. What gives Paul joy is I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not only does it benefit Paul, not only is there material benefit to Paul, but there is spiritual benefit to those who give. There is spiritual benefit to those who who are generous. And Paul says, I'm not seeking your gift. I'm seeking the fruit that you're going to receive, the fruit that is going to be put in your account because of your generosity. Now, what's interesting about that is many of us go, you, you may have heard a, a sermon on giving and like give and the Lord will bless and prosper you and you won't be sick and you will be financially wealthy and all of these things. And the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does teach us that God is going to supply all of our needs when we're generous, when we're giving. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But what we do see is that there is fruit that is, that is received in the life of someone who is generous and who gives. Now you might ask like, what, what is that, that fruit? Well, when we give, we're growing in our faith. We're growing in our trust. We're trusting and growing in our understanding of the provision of the Lord. When I give, I'm, I'm showing that the Lord is the Lord, not my financial means. When I give, when I give of resources and time, I'm trusting that the Lord will use those to benefit others. I think we, we read this text last week in Ecclesiastes 6, chapter 7. It says in the message version, we work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. And one of the ways we feed our souls is through giving. Giving benefits the giver. Giving is better than receiving. And that's what we see from this text. It, I seek the fruit. It's to your own benefit when you give. We give because in it we learn to trust God. We release our grip on things that could potentially be idols. Wesley Wilmer in his book, God and Your Stuff, he says, by giving more of ourselves, our time, our money, our talents, we are giving more of ourselves to God which leads to the shaping of our own souls. So you might ask, how much should I give? And I would respond, well, how much do you want to be shaped by your giving? We are shaped through our generosity. Now, I say all that in light of our partnership and our family of churches, we wanna be a church and we wanna be a family of churches 
that not only calls individuals to practice that and to believe that giving is better than receiving, but that we as a church would practice that and believe that giving is better than receiving. For us to be about the kingdom of God in Salt Lake City means we're not just concerned about growing our kingdom right here within these four walls, but that we would go and see bless the kingdom all across this city, that we want to see that kingdom advance. And when that's going to come, it's going to come through this belief that giving is better than receiving. I'm thankful we, we stand on shoulders of churches that have believed that. Our sending church in Texas, in fact, called me just two weeks ago. And they said, Justin, how are you guys doing financially? I was like, honestly, we're doing really well. A few months ago, we just talked. We've become sustainable as a church. We're, we're kind of out from under mom and dad. We're thankful to be on our own two feet. Now, we're eating peanut butter and jelly. We're not rich, you know, like we're living apartment life. And, and we're trying to figure out how to be more generous. And they're like, well, let us know. Like, let us know what needs you have. Let us know how we can come alongside you. We wanna, we wanna bless you guys. We wanna serve you because why? They believe that giving is better than receiving. And they've modeled that for us. And we've followed in their footsteps. Over the, over the last month to kind of bring you guys into some needs that we've been able to meet uh, as we've started this new community up north, there's been a few needs that have risen up in that community. In the last month, we sent $1,000 to bless and meet tangible, benevolent needs that are right there in that community. Uh, several uh, weeks ago, there was a church here in the Salt Lake Valley that closed its doors due to COVID. And, and that pastor who was employed by that church only a month ago now finds himself without a job, without financial means, and we bought gift cards to go and bless his family and serve his family, provide groceries for their family. Over the course of our existence as a church, our churches, Ecclesia Salt Lake City and Ecclesia Lehigh, has given over $75,000 to church planning, to benevolent needs in our community, and seeking to see the gospel go forward. And we're like, really? I mean, literally out of our small churches, I think we've given $75,000. I was blown away when that number was given to me this week. What an amazing testimony. And I want us to continue in that because I believe that we will be shaped. Our souls will be shaped. We will be greatly impacted when we believe that giving is better than receiving. My third and final point that I want to encourage us in this morning is that giving is an act of faith and worship. Paul says in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So first of all, we see it's a sacrifice. It's a, it's a response. It's an opportunity to worship God. We might ask, why, why should we give? And, and if I were to ask you, why, why should we give our financial resources to, to the, the, the ministry, to the work of the Lord, why, why should we give of those resources? And maybe we would say, well, because the, the Bible commands us to. And, and it's true. The Bible does command us. The Bible commands us and calls us to give generously. 
But I also know the Bible tells us a lot of things we, we don't do. I know with my own kids that rules are not necessarily the best motivator to walk in obedience. And so I, I, I know this morning to say the Bible commands us to doesn't necessarily maybe motivate our hearts to give. Maybe, maybe it's because, Justin, you're going to cast a compelling vision and we're going to get behind this vision and that's why we should give. And I, I think vision is important. Vision is needed. And we need to make sure there is a vision, that we steward the resources well and we have an idea of how we're going to use those but I can motivate you with, with vision and by lunch, you've for, forgotten it. And so maybe a, a better way to look at why we give, we give out of a response to the nature and character of God. Our God is a God who gives. The nature and character of God, he's, he's, he's one who gives. He gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. He is a giver. The nature of God is one who gives and the characteristics of the life of a believer should be one who gives. And so generosity is something that is stirred as a response to who God is and what he's done. He has given us his son. As Emily shared earlier, that he's given us Jesus on the cross. He's given us new life. He has rescued us from the pit. He has set us on firm foundation. He's given us life and life to the full. And a proper response to a God who gives is to graciously give to him. Now, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. What I want you to hear me say in that is the gospel of who God is and what God has done and how he sent Jesus and Jesus gave his life. The gospel empowers generosity. And that's the only motivator for why we should give. When we respond in thankfulness to God of what he's done, it impacts us and moves us to give. And so it's an act of worship, but it's also an act of faith. Giving is an act of faith. It's a sacrifice. Many of us uh, have experienced when it comes to our financial giving we sometimes look at all the expenditures of the month and we say, okay, well, I'm going to have this much left over and I'm going to give. And, and that type of giving is not really giving in faith because it's like, hey, we had this left over and we, we gave. And we don't, it's not really a sacrifice in some ways. But the Bible calls us to first fruit giving. And first fruit giving literally meant that as people would harvest their crops, they would take the first fruits, the first crops, the, the crops that they first harvested, and they would give those to the Lord as an offering in hopes that their crops would continue to produce and that God would continue to supply and meet their needs. And that's what we, we give knowing that God will supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We give knowing that God will supply 
our needs and our finances and our resources. What we need, God will supply. Now, to give you a very tangible picture of this, as Emily shared earlier, I, I want to give you an opportunity. And, and I would say this is not always the case. But it was a great picture of God showing us how he tangibly meets our needs. I remember early on as a church plant, I think we were five to six months in Ecclesia's life and we're just trying to get our feet underneath us. We're just trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, where did we land? We're in this new city and we're trying to get out from under, you know, our, our financial support and we're trying to get on our own feet and, and literally felt convicted and called and convinced that God told us we need to take everything we brought in that month every tithe and offering that was brought into Ecclesia, and we need to turn and we need to give that to Ecclesia Lehi. They were in the startup phase and they were kind of just beginning to, to gather. And we felt like the Lord called us to take everything. And I, I wanna say we were probably bringing in $4,000, $5,000 a month at that time, but that was everything we had. And so we called the church to say like, hey, everything we take in this month, we said, like from the get-go, from day one, we're going to give it away. Believing that God will supply our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And literally, we, at the end of the month, we wrote a $5,000 check to Ecclesia. We gave that to them. And within the next week, five different individuals, random people that I had met on an airplane, random family member that decided, hey, I, I want to bless you guys. We received five checks in the mail that next week, each for $1,000. And I'm like, man, this sounds kind of hokey. I get it. But God, I have seen God come through like that so many times. God supplies because God is growing our faith through our generosity and through our giving. I had someone ask me a question once, if you were God, would you give you more money? If you, if what you know about yourself and how you spend and how generous you are and the steward uh, of resources that you are, if you were God, would you give Justin Bindle more money based on his stewardship practices? And I think, you know, like, that's where we grow in our faith and we grow in our trust that I want to be an investor. I want to be God's investor. I want God to trust us that we will steward his resources well, that we will use them in a way that seeks to advance his kingdom, not ours. And so I want us to, to practice generosity. I want us to practice first fruit giving. I want us to practice partnering and encouraging and supporting churches across this city. We need this type of partnership. And so in closing, I, I just want to say, I, I hope we will be known for Ecclesia Salt Lake and Ecclesia communities. I hope we will be known for and marked by great generosity that we would grow in generosity within this next year, that our budgets would reflect our care and love for this city, that we would support more churches and, and more pastors across this valley. 
I pray that through our giving, there would be a loosening of strongholds in our life. I pray that through our giving, that we would grow in our faith and trust in the Lord. I pray that through our giving, that, that, that needs would be met and that our city would resemble the kingdom of God. And in the same way that Paul writes to this church to say, thank you, I just want to look back over five years and tell Ecclesia Salt Lake City, Ecclesia Lehigh, and now our far north community, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you for the togetherness that we share. Thank you for allowing your pastors to partner with us. Thank you for your generosity of time, talent, treasure. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for seeking to advance the gospel in a city that desperately needs Jesus. And we pray and we ask that God will supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the deep partnership that we see between this church and Paul as their pastor, as their planter. I'm thankful for the, the care and encouragement that they brought to him. And I pray that we could be that for churches and pastors across our city. That we would keep them going, that we would be in their corner and we would say, hey, we... We love you, we're for you, we're with you. In your hardship, we, we wanna support you. Lord, help us to be that. Help us to be a father to churches in our city, to care for churches in that way. I pray that there would not be another pastor that leaves this city through discouragement, through frustration, Lord, I pray that we would be able to come alongside. I pray that you would grow us in our generosity. I pray that you would help us to know that giving is better than receiving. And like so many other churches have modeled for us, that, that we would give. And Lord, we pray that as we give, you would shape our souls and our hearts because we know, the Bible tells us, for where our treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, Lord, we trust you. We worship you. Lord, we, uh, we entrust our, our city and our church to you. And we pray that you would just lead us. Show us how to be generous as you've been generous with us, with your son, and with his life. In Jesus' name, amen.